And it is Easter. What a great Sunday to be here to celebrate uh, the resurrection of Christ. And and I want to begin with first things first, okay? Um, I'm going to deliver an Easter message that's from really one of my favorite passages. Um, But I want to deal with with the the most important thing that we can talk about here um, at Easter. And and Paul makes that clear in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, Paul says this, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you're saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. First things first, this whole celebration of Easter and the resurrection of Christ, um, it's only valuable, it's only important, it only saves you if you have believed the two words I've highlighted there. Um, This has got to be a personal application for everyone. Paul goes on to say this, for what I received... I passed on to you as a first importance, and that's why I'm starting with it this morning. A first importance, the most important thing I can say to you is this, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, and what we celebrate today, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared. And the rest of chapter 15 talks about the resurrection and how he appeared to so many people. Let me just highlight a couple of things uh, here in this passage. Paul is preaching what is first importance? This is the place you have to begin in the Christian life. And he says two things, two things that are really important that we celebrate this time of year. Christ died for our sins and he was raised on the third day. Um, There's a parallel structure that goes on in this passage. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then there's a proof that is given. He was buried. That proves that he really did die. And then he appeared to so many. That proves that he really did raise from the dead. And what we have in this passage is of first importance, which is why I'm starting with it, is the thing that happened here, and that is the payment was made for our sins. A payment was made for our sins when Christ died in our place And then there was a victory that was accomplished, victory over sin and death, victory over Satan. And all of that is the first important thing I want to let you know about this Easter message, and that is that Christ died for our sins. Scripture predicted it, and the death was proven by the fact that he was buried. And trust me, Romans knew how to kill people. They killed him, um, and he really did die in our place. But he was raised on the third day. Hallelujah. Um, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And that was all predicted by the scripture. And he appeared to so many people validating the, the, the value of his death. Um, a lot of people have died. A lot of people were crucified. But Christ's resurrection proves that he was who he said he was, the son of God. And he could do what he said he could do, save us from our sins. Now, that has to be personally applied to us. Paul, in another uh, letter in Romans, he says this, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. Once again, this is all the scriptural story. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, last phrase, to be received by faith. By the way, this whole Christianity thing 
that is based on the death and the resurrection of Christ, it is apart from the law. This is not straightening your life out. This is not committing to uh, come to church regularly from Easter now on. It's not giving an offering to the regular offering of the church or the Christmas offering or, or even to send missionaries to, um, to um, the inner city in Dallas or to the Czech Republic. It's apart from any performance that we have had. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, it is your faith, it is your trust. It's what you're putting your trust in. And there's no difference between any of us in this room, whether you're on the stage or you're not on the stage. We are all sinners. We all fall short of God's glory. But we are justified freely by God's grace. God in his grace figured out a way to redeem us and reconcile us back to himself apart from any performance of ours. It is done through the performance of what Jesus Christ did to redeem us, to buy us back into his possession, to sacrifice himself for us so that we could be atoned at one with him again. And all of that is received by faith. And I'm going to start first things first here. Celebrating Easter, lots of flowers, pictures, families together. The first thing that's most important here is that you not be distracted or deceived by anything anyone else says, here's the core message. Christ died for our sins and he rose the third day. And everyone who receives that by faith, based on completely the performance of Jesus Christ, they have a relationship with God that secures their future for eternity in heaven. And it gives you a purpose for living here in this present life. First things first. Easter is about what was accomplished on the cross, validated by the resurrection, and it only matters, it only matters if you receive that message by faith. Now, once you receive that message by faith, your destiny for eternity changes and your purpose for living here changes. Your purpose for living here then becomes to bring glory to God through your life and for him to give you an abundant life that's worth living that's not just going to, to fade away into nothing. Um, but you can lay up treasures for heaven by, live, by living for him. Um, first things first. Now I want to talk about one of my favorite passages. Um, and I'm going to talk about some Easter expectations. You may have uh, not had your expectations met so far on Easter. Uh, this morning I got up and there were some jelly beans in my Easter basket. I don't like jelly beans. My expectations were really dashed. Um, if you want some of my jelly beans, they're out at the Connection Center. I'm sharing them with everybody because I don't like jelly beans, okay? Particularly if you like the black ones, take them. But our expectations are often uh, not met. And sometimes our expectation of the Christian life is not met. Um, years ago, Philip Yancey wrote a book called Disappointment with God. It's a great book. I would encourage you to, to read it. Um, by the way, Philip, that's his picture. I'm going to show you another picture of him in a minute. Um, when I was in Colorado, um, I filled in at a church every now and then. This church was, was growing, and, and they asked me to come and preach about every six weeks when I was teaching at Colorado Christian University. And one of the first Sundays I preached there, I looked out in the audience, and this guy was there. Oh, my gosh, he's Philip Yancey. You can't miss that hair. I knew it was Philip Yancey. Great book. He's written a lot of, lot of really good stuff. Uh, but Philip Yancey, in disappointment with God, 
makes this statement. I found that for many people, there's a large gap between what they expect from the Christian faith and what they actually experience. I want to talk about that a little bit. Because often from the Christian faith, and some of this is because of false teaching that's out there, that God is here just to make you happy, wealthy, and successful. Um, That is not God's purpose. God's purpose is to use you to bring himself glory. And there may be things that happen in our life that are disappointing along the way. But Philip goes on to say, the Bible never belittles human disappointment. It's okay to be disappointed that you don't have jelly beans in your Easter basket, or that you do have jelly beans in your Easter basket. But it adds one key word. The Bible adds one key word. Our disappointment is only temporary. Everything we hoped for, peace, happiness, no struggles, no tears, no sorrow, everything that we hope for will eventually be given to us. And I want to demonstrate that to you from a passage in Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, we're going to see um, two men who are walking with Jesus after the resurrection. Christ has already been raised from the dead, and not, not everyone is aware of this resurrection. There have been some reports of the resurrection, but these two guys, Cleopas and someone we don't know, so imagine that it's you, are walking on a road to Emmaus right after the resurrection. And they have an encounter, and they're, they're walking their journey with Jesus uh, along the way after the resurrection, I think is really insightful for all of us. And here's what I think we're going to see here. Following Jesus after the resurrection involves glimpses of Jesus, seeing him a little bit along the way. It involves authenticity in community, walking in a community of believers where you can be real about your disappointments, about your struggles, about your failed expectations, and time in scripture. That's what happens when these two men are walking with Jesus along the way. So what I want to encourage you to see, first of all, is that Jesus joins the journey. These guys are walking on their way to Emmaus, and Jesus actually joins them. And what they experience is this, an encounter with the resurrected Jesus can turn a journey of despair into a journey of joy. You may be in that journey of despair right now. And when Jesus encounters you, it turns that, it doesn't fix everything, but it turns the despair into joy. Um, one scholar, Joel Green, has, has outlined the passage we're looking at here. And, and I talk about this a lot in uh, passages, that there's a chiastic structure. A chiasm is one of those uh, structures that, that starts with an A, B, C, and then goes B, A. And what happens is the, the pivot point is right in the middle. And in this particular uh, story, the pivot point is the statement that Jesus is alive. And that turns everything around. It turns their despair because these disciples have seen Jesus died. And when they recognize that Jesus is alive and that he's with them, it turns that into joy. Um, Here's how the passage starts. Jesus joins them and he asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk alone? And they stood still, their faces downcast. Uh, They're struggling. They're not having a good day. Um, they're really, really having a difficult time putting together all that's gone on in their life. That's how the passage begins. Here's how the passage ends. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those with them assembled together saying, it is true. 
The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened to them on the way, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I'm going to talk about this story in just a minute. But at the beginning, their, their faces are downcast. Jesus joins them on the journey. And as they get a glimpse of Jesus, they authentically share what's going on in their lives. And they spend some time in Scripture. It turns everything around so that at the end, they are shouting, It is true. Everything we hoped for is true. Chuck Swindoll says this, before the day ended, however, the darkness of their despair would dawn with joy. By the following morning, their confusion had returned, had turned to rejoicing. When Jesus joins you on the journey, he doesn't fix everything all at once. That's coming. We sang about it. Christ has come. He's coming again. And when he comes again, he's going to make everything right. Until then, we have a purpose for living, and that purpose for living is to bring him glory, to share the message of the victory of the gospel, that Christ did die for our sins, and that he was raised from the dead. And that gives us a purpose for living. Christ joining you on the journey can turn your despair and the difficulties of your life, which are real, can turn it into rejoicing. And then what we begin to see is what normal life walking with Jesus is like. Normal life as a disciple walking with Jesus. We don't get to see any, everything. Sight is often prevented in the darkness to grow our trust. We don't get to see everything. One day we will see him as he is. And when we see him as he is, 1 John 3 tells us, we will be like him because we see him as he is. Until then, sometimes our sight is prevented and we don't understand what's going on. Look at this passage. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the reason for their despair was that they knew he had died. <laughs> he walks with them and they don't see it. And folks, I want to tell you that that's so true of the Christian life. Jesus walks with us. He joins us on the journey, but we don't always see his hand in everything, particularly not as we look forward. Often we see it when we look back and we see his hand there and we see all of these things that he orchestrated, even tragedies in our life that we look back and we see how God orchestrated every bit of that. But you remember Philip Yancey said, the disappointment of not being able to see Jesus in every step we take, it's just temporary. Um, here's how the passage ends. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. But then he vanishes from their sight. It's temporary. Most of the journey with Jesus, we don't see his hand every single day. We often see it looking back. Sometimes we get a glimpse. Sometimes our eyes are open and we get to see, oh my gosh, look, Jesus is in this. I see how he's working. Sometimes we get a glimpse of that. But this passage reveals it doesn't last very long. So normal life as a disciple of Jesus means we get glimpses of Jesus along the way. He's with us all the time. I guarantee you that. Once you place your faith in Jesus Christ and he becomes your savior and you battle through your life to make him your Lord, he is with you all along that journey. But normal life is not just waiting for those glimpses. Normal life is, is clarified when we begin to see the big picture of what God is doing. Our dim vision of life is clarified when we see everything as a part of God's plan 
to glorify Jesus through suffering. That's what's going to happen for them. That's one of the reasons, by the way, if you're not part of fellowship, one of the things I'm doing on Sunday mornings is I'm doing a survey of the Bible right now, going through one book at a time. And all of that is showing this big story. I'm hoping to clarify it so that people can spend time in their own journey through Scripture to see everything as a part of God's plan. All of the stuff in the Old Testament, a part of God's plan to show how all of these things were not going to work and that God was predicting how he was going to make everything work through Jesus Christ. And that's part of what we do in our life is we're trying to get the bigger picture, seeing what God is doing in that. That's what happens for them along the way. Let me show it to you. Uh, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? By the way, this, I think this is hilarious. They're talking about him. Now, they've been prevented from seeing that it's him, but he still walks up to him. He says, hey, what are you guys talking about? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? Uh, contemporary translation, are you from Mars? Do you, know what just, do you not know what just happened? Now, think about this for just a minute. Do you not know what just happened? And he's thinking, yes, it happened to me. But he goes along because he wants them to talk about this. And he says, oh, what things? I think this is a hilarious passage. <laughs> about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Listen to this statement. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. We hoped he was going to be the guy. We hoped he was going to set everything right. What they didn't know is he did set everything right. Spiritually. In their relationship with God. He accomplished everything that needed to be accomplished. But he's coming back again to set all of the rest of the things right. To overcome all death. Overcome our weak flesh. And, and, and they, they tell him, we thought he was the guy. We thought he was the guy who was going to fix everything. And for us, so often, that's true of us. We think Jesus, we think um, our Christian life is going to be all fixed and glorious. Well, it's not. You know what? He's with you all the time, but sometimes you don't see him. But Jesus invites them to talk about these things. In addition, some of our women amazed us. Period. Stop. We can just stop there. That is so true. Now I'm going to move on. They went to the tomb early this morning but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that he had seen a vision of angels who, uh, and said he was alive. The, the first witnesses to the resurrection were women. And they came and they said, the tomb was empty and we've been told that he is alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, because they doubted them, period. <laughs> but they didn't see Jesus. The tomb was empty. It was just like he said. Jesus has gotten them talking about their lives. You see what happens? Hey, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, this was going on. Oh, tell me more. Because Jesus wants us to be honest about our lives, even our disappointments, and even our disappointments in what he was going to do in our life. They thought he was going to redeem Israel and set everything right and throw off the Roman shackles. <laughs> Jesus says, keep telling me more. Tell me what's happened. And finally, they get around to the things that are really important. Then Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets had spoken. Now he's going to make it clear to them. 
I don't think he's rebuking them here. I think this is, I think this is sadness in his voice. Oh, how foolish you are and slow to understand everything the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Man, what a great Bible study. I'm teaching through the Bible right now. Trust me, it has nothing to compare with what this seven-mile journey allowed them to get. Over the period of maybe three hours, Jesus explained all of the significance of the Old Testament and how it was pointing to him. Man, what a great, great opportunity they had to share their lives. And Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't say anything other than, guys, you you need to see this big picture. And they see it. They understand how everything that happened to Jesus was what was predicted. He had to suffer. He had to die. He had to do that for us and in our place. Did you guys not see the Old Testament sacrificial system, which was a prediction of that? How those animals died in in the place of the people? And that was a picture, but they had to do that again and again and again. The book of Hebrews says, but now the fulfillment in Jesus Christ, he died once for all. Do do you guys see that? Do you guys see what all these prophets were saying as they, they predicted things about me? guys, do you see that? And I think they were just going, oh, wow, this is so clear now for us. But they still don't see Jesus yet. Because it's not just about knowledge in your head. It's actually about a relationship with him. Um, He explains the scriptures to them, but you have to have a relationship. Understanding the facts about Jesus is just the foundation for knowing Jesus. It's important. You can't just go, ah, oh, the Bible, I, I know Jesus. I, you know, I go to church a little bit here and there. Going to give the offering. Come support the, the mission trips. Um, no, it, it's, it's, it's about knowing him, not knowing about him. Here's how that's accomplished on this journey. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. By the way, I think this is hilarious too. The three of them are walking along, Cleopas, some other guy, and Jesus. And they're walking along, and they get to the place where they're turning off, and Jesus starts to act like I'm going forward. I don't know what that looked like, but it's kind of, I'm going this way, guys. You okay? But they urged him strongly, saying, no, stay with us. Jesus wants us to invite him in. Very rarely does Jesus knock down the door of our lives. Sometimes he does. But most of the time, we know all this stuff about him, but he wants us to invite him in. Stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. And when we invite him, he comes and he stays with us. He shows up. Because it's not just knowing the facts of Scripture, which he did for them amazingly. It's not just sharing your life and being open and honest about what you hoped for. Um, They did that. It's about actually having a relationship with Jesus. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. After they understood the facts, then they made the invitation Then they saw, oh, this is Jesus. 
He's been with us all the time. They recognized him. All the pieces fit together, but it didn't last for very long. He then vanished. Do you notice what he did? He took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. These are the very same words that Luke uses one chapter earlier to talk about um, the Last Supper, communion with, with Jesus. The very same words. I, I don't think they're having communion, but, but it's interesting that Luke uses those same words. When we have those times when we invite him to be a part of our worship. Chuck Swindoll says this, some of the Lord's best visits are those we don't expect. They come at those lowest times when a mate has walked away, when a loved one has died, when we are released from work, when the lessons of life seem unintelligible. It's during those times when we're most confused and we most clearly don't see that Jesus is with us, that we keep sharing our lives in community. We keep studying his word and we constantly are inviting him to be a part of our life. (laughs) Then he shows up. Maybe for just a moment. But he shows up, and when he shows up, you realize, oh my gosh, he's been with me on this journey all the way. And now that I don't see him, I know he's still with me, and I'm waiting for the next glimpse. This passage ends with with victory. (laughs) Victory out out of the grave. Their disappointment was this. All we knew was he was in the grave. Some people had reported that he's been resurrected. We're not sure about it. Often the supposed ruin of our hopes is actually the fulfillment of them. Their hopes was that Jesus would would actually conquer. What they didn't know is he was conquering. He was conquering the right thing, not the thing they wanted him to conquer. You may have something in your life that you want Jesus to conquer right now. Trust me, he's conquering, but he's conquering the right things. (laughs) They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Gosh, we knew something was going on. We could feel it. David Garland says this, what was to them a devastating disappointment that dashed their private hopes actually accomplished God's saving purposes. God is up to something. Jesus is walking with you along the way, but he may be accomplishing something far greater than your small little hopes. And here's the pattern in this passage. Jesus' strategy is not to reveal himself in miracles. That rarely happens. It does happen, but it's not his big strategy. Here's what Jesus does. He reveals himself in Scripture because we often learn best in retrospect. We often learn best when we're reading the Scripture and we say, yeah, that's happened to me. By the way, that's one of the wonderful things about reading the Psalms, which I'm going to get to in a few weeks. Um, (laughs) When you read the Psalms, You're reading people who are talking about their heart issues, and you go, yeah, that's just like for me. The pattern is that Jesus reveals himself in Scripture, and then by invitation, he shows up from time to time. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us, how did we know something was up? We were in the Scriptures. And then they become true witnesses. Now they have a purpose for living. Opened eyes, burning hearts. That's what their eyes were open, their hearts were burning. And now they're going to open their mouths as witnesses. And that's what gives us purpose in this life. Last week, when we were in Orlando, um, we're gathered with 4,500 people 
who are all about getting the gospel around the world. 800 of them from 112 different countries had gathered with us. And the strategy that was being worked on was all of those people from the 112 countries choosing unreached people groups that they're going to target because they're closer to them than we are. They're going to target unreached people groups so that they can be witnesses. That's their purpose for living. Many of them, we sat with two gals from a a restricted country. Um, We sat with these two gals and they said, we're so glad to be here in America where we can breathe. All of our relatives have told us, you're going to get to America. Just stay there. Don't come back to our country. And they said, no, we're going back because we're going to share the gospel. That was their purpose for living. Their eyes had been opened. (laughs) Their hearts were burning within them. And yes, while they were in America, instead of an oppressed country, they could breathe. But they had a purpose for going back. And it's to share the gospel. Jesus says in one of his last discourses, it's called the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. He says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. You know what the strategy is? Get the gospel to all nations. That's that's what we're living for. And they became witnesses of that. They got up, returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. We're witnesses, we've seen it. We wanna tell you how he's been real in us. Then the two of them told what happened on the way, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Folks, first things first. Jesus died for our sins. And he was raised the third day. And that's real and reconciles you to God when you receive it by faith. And then when you start walking with him after that resurrection walk, here's what we know is true. You get glimpses of Jesus along the way. We're called to live in authentic community, finding a place where you can be honest about your struggles, your sins, and you spend time in scripture. And I want to invite you to be a part of that. I want to invite you to to live your life inviting Jesus in. Live your life in a community where you can be real about your struggles that are only temporary until you can see, often in retrospect, oh my gosh, there Jesus was working all along the way. And you spend time in Scripture. Wherever you are, I want to encourage you to take a deeper step into following Jesus. A deeper step, either that first step, of placing your faith and trust in him. Or a deeper step to to be inviting him into your life more. Or a deeper step to be more authentic in the community that you're a part of. Or a deeper step into time in scripture that can orient your life. So we have some next steps. We end our services this way all the time. Some next steps that you can consider along the way. First of all, would you invite Jesus to join you on the journey? And how you do that is you place your faith in him and his finished work on the cross that validated by the resurrection that we celebrate today. If Jesus isn't with you today, would you, would you ask him to join you on the journey? And if you make that decision, I, I want to encourage you to come down and talk to one of our prayer members or come and talk to me if you make that decision. <laughs> if you're already in relationship with Jesus Christ, will you look for the hidden hand of God in your, hand, in your life this week? Just look this week and just say, where do I see God working? 
It may not be some big vision, but where do you see him working? And, and will you commit to a regular encounter with the Word of God in community? Whether it's the community you're already in, or you need to get into a community where you can share your life around the Word of God. And will you pray for boldness and passion in your personal witness? That may be boldly giving an offering. It may be boldly sharing with your family. It may be boldly sharing at work. But would you ask God to give you a passion to live your life on purpose for him? Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we are so grateful for what Christ has done for us. Father, we are grateful for the the love and the wisdom that you showed in bringing good news to us through sending your son who would live a perfect life, die in our place, and gain victory over our sin, our flesh, and Satan and death. Father, we celebrate that resurrection today. And Father, as, as everyone around the world, and, and we're just kind of going as time changes, we're joining a chorus of people from all nations that are, that are celebrating you and your victory through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would allow our worship now to bring glory to you. Our encounter with your word today to draw us deeper into relationship with Jesus Christ. And may you give us purpose for living. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.